Well, it's a little bit quieter here at ice level these days, but the office activity here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome is anything but. The scouting combine, draft, July 1st, and the start of free agency all around the corner. And with that, Calgary's management and pro scouting staff has gathered here for a week of meetings in advance of those crucial off-season events. Ryan Dietrich alongside Tori Peterson joined by our special guest, the Flames Director of Pro Personnel, Derek McKinnon, here on the Firestarter podcast brought to you by the Star Calgary, the official media partner of Firestarter. The Star Calgary is your essential source for local, national, and international news. Follow the story all day, every day on thestar.com. Derek, first of all, thank you so much for joining us here. This is our little office space, so uh, get to see that for the first time. And we obviously know this is a busy time of year for you guys uh, with all those events I, I mentioned upcoming. But uh, for you, uh, getting a chance to be here with the rest of the, the staff and a chance to get together, uh, recap the year, and uh, look ahead to, to what's upcoming to a very busy next couple of months. Uh, what's sort of the nature of the meetings, and, and how are they going for you? Well, we're meeting, obviously the uh, the season ended with a little bit of uh, earlier than we expected, so it left a sort of a sour taste in our mouths. So we wanted to get, uh, after some of the dust cleared and the initial disappointment sort of subsided a little bit, we wanted to come in and discuss, um, you know, where the team is at, where the needs are at, why did some of the things that happened happen, why did some of the things that were really successful in the regular season happen as well, because we did finish first in the West and second overall, so... We're sort of assessing where we are as a team, where we're at as a team, and maybe where our needs are. And uh, we'll go from there and see if we can fill some of them through free agency or trades or, uh, or through the draft. Now, you've had a pretty lengthy career. You started out as a video coach, I know that. Mm-hmm. But what has led you here to where you are today? Can you just go over sort of your career trajectory and how you ended up in Calgary? Yeah, I started in Dallas, uh, 2002. Um, I uh, started out when uh, video was fairly new. Uh, people used it, but it was still uh, tape decks and logged and uh, wired together. So that's how I started. Uh, then it got a little more into the computers and video editing. Um, I did that for uh, six years, and then I had known Brad um, from Okanagan Hockey School. I was looking to do a little something that was sort of at that point where everybody comes to their career, where you're looking and saying, am I going to be a coach? Am I going to be a manager? Am I going to be going back and selling pharmaceuticals? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted, I was always fascinated by building teams. I was always fascinated by the process of scouting, evaluating, um, so I, I went out and I put my resume around, knocked on some doors, and uh, I knew Brad from before. Uh, actually, interesting story. They, uh, I had interviewed for a job, done, uh, you know, when you get an interview and they're, oh, you did a great job, but I really wasn't 100% sure they were truthful. <laughs> <laughs> Yet a month later, uh, Thomas Steen, the old player, had been hired, uh, and he decided that he wanted to be uh, run for uh, office in Manitoba. So a job was open, and Brad knew me, and we went in and interviewed again, and uh, the rest is history, so to speak, I guess. So I spent uh, seven years in Phoenix with Don and Brad, sort of piecing together teams through bankruptcies and different ownership groups, and all of that building, uh, hopefully building a lot of skill set in terms of problem solving, in terms of finding players with value, um, you know, trying to find guys as diamonds in the rough, so to speak. And then uh, when Brad came to tr- uh, to Calgary here, uh, he took me with me, or took him, took me with him, and uh, it's been great ever since. It's obviously it's great working for Canadian team, and uh, my role has sort of evolved to where I'm uh, managing some staff and. Um, managing a little more of uh, pro teams, but also some free agents. So it's uh, it's always changing. It's always exciting. 
we've obviously heard so much about the life of a scout and it's nonstop <laughs> travel and hotel rooms. I'm sure you're doing pretty good on the Marriott points at this point. Marriott, but <laughs> all kinds of Marriott points and aeroplan points. Nice. So, that's yeah. good to hear. But well, where is home for you? Uh, I'm based out of Ottawa. Okay. I uh, lived there since 07, since I left Dallas. Um, so I, I travel quite a bit, um, have kids there. So that's sort of limits where I'm going to go. Uh, it's a good spot to be there's in terms of local and coverage, you can get a lot of American League teams. There's Montreal, Ottawa. You can see teams through. But really, where I'm at in my job, you're you're traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. So home games you can pick off, but you're really in an airport or on a plane somewhere um, trying to find the next guy. And is that sort of, because we talked about territory for, for Pro Scouts especially. So in your case, you're almost overseeing... Yeah, almost I, all different areas. Yeah, right? I work with uh, Steve Plow works in the east. He's based out of the Boston area, so he, you know, if you look at it on a map, he's regionally based. We he doesn't go all the way across the country often, so he's responsible for a region. I sort of live in what you'd may call the middle, and am responsible for teams there. And then Eric Lacroix is our pro scout out of Colorado, so he does the west as well as Craig Conroy and Brian McGratton and Chris Snow do some uh, some work out of here. So I'm kind of the guy that. When there's players that they like, I would go and see them. But really, we work as a group. Um, you know, the days of just the scout all by himself, and here's the guy, and draft him or trade for him are gone. Uh, Tree is very, very inclusive. And just like our meetings here, everybody has, you know, everybody tries to see the players. Everybody has opinions. Everybody has ideas, gathers information, and then you try to come to some consensus in terms of what you want to do each time. And you mentioned that you manage staff. Now, how does that work for you? Do you say, hey, I need you to go see this guy or that guy? Do you kind of distribute the, the well, duties? It, or? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting dynamic. And just in life, I guess, when you go from being a, working at a job to managing people, it, it's a different change, a different skill set. You, know, you kind of have to let them do their own thing. Um, so we'll, we'll really allocate teams. Um, we have ideas. We meet every... Now we're meeting, okay, these are our needs. These are where this player is going away or this is where we have deficiencies. So plus guys are always paying attention. We're always texting, talking. So you really know where the team's needs are. So usually it goes down the line and I'll call Eric and call Steve and call whoever and say, Hey, listen, you know, maybe something's happening here. We had a, Brad had a conversation with this guy, you know, go see him, get the information, then I'll go see him, then Eric, then Craig, or somebody like that. So you're really coordinating views and trying to get as big a consensus opinion as you can. It's kind of funny. We have the World Championship game on in the background <laughs> here with, uh, from Kasice and uh, Bratislava, Slovakia, where you just came back from. So, again, we're going back to the travel. That's right. kind of a common theme. But what did you take away from your experience there? And, and uh, you know, as always, I mean, that's not your first time at these tournaments, but what are you looking at when you're when you're at those events? Well, it's really, uh, you know, it, it's tough because some countries, uh, while it's a big tournament internationally, it's a big tournament for the IIHF and certainly the Federation countries, a lot of the countries, Italy, Great Britain, are. it's a great story and it's a great hockey story, but in terms of, for us, the Calgary Flames, there's not a whole lot of players there, right? You're digging into the Swedes, the Czechs, the, and you're looking for you're looking for guys, NHL players, that have they changed? How do they compete in this situation? But really, you're looking at free agent guys and saying, okay, you know, you have a book on a guy that you may have seen three years ago in Prague or, or Copenhagen or wherever, and you're just building the book because I don't see them. They play in Switzerland or the Czech League or somewhere, so you're just keeping up on them to say, hey, 
well, you know what? He didn't fit a year ago because he didn't do this and this, and we need we had all kinds of right-shot defensemen. But this guy's a right-shot defenseman. We don't have that now. Maybe he can fit. You're really just trying to turn over every rock you can. You yeah, know? yeah, and it's interesting, too, because we see so many, for the casual observer anyway, when we tune into this tournament every year, we often see guys, especially on Russia has a bunch of those guys, where they're almost lifers, you know, in those leagues a- and in those absolutely. tournaments, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's changed, I think, um, internationally. Um, it's changed away from when I first started going to these tournaments. It was... A lot of 30-year-olds, a lot of 35-year-olds that were long-time club players that just sort of, now it's sort of changing just like the league is, the NHL is changing to a younger league, younger, faster. So there are more players that, you know, either they're going to be, have NHL potential or pro potential in North America, or they're not and you're making a mistake. But there are more options where you're sitting there saying, okay, maybe, you know, he's younger, he's 23, maybe, you know, just like life, there's late bloomers. So you're sitting there hoping that at 23, he's either a more mature kid or he grew late or he got stronger or something that you're hoping that something has changed from when our amateur guys would have seen him when he's, you know, 16, 17, 18. We know how much work this time of year is for the amateur staff as they get ready for the draft and put that list together so that they're prepared heading into Vancouver. But for you guys as pro scouts, how important is this time of year for you? Because over the years, there's been more and more and more player movement at the draft. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, you know, it's changed there. I, I think it's a combination of sort of parties being all in one place and ability to talk. But, you know, in our history, that's where we've done most of our heavy lifting. Uh, you know, last year from the point where we didn't make the playoffs to, you know, up to the draft, I thought we did a lot of things, and free agency, I thought we did a lot of things to change our team. So we're, we're constantly looking at that. It, it, this is the time of the year when things are fresh. This is the time of the year when guys want to talk about moving. You know, this guy's mad at his player for this. Maybe he's going to fit in Calgary a little bit better. So we do a lot of that. There's a lot of talking, a lot of uh, evaluating, a lot of what-ifs, uh, and frankly, a lot of fantasy hockey that sometimes turns into actual. Now, the, I know the amateur scouts have their list that they talk about mm-hmm. at length. Is that? Do you guys have a similar sort of process in terms of hey, we like player A, player B, and you kind of rank Absolutely. them in terms of priority? Well, we'll do boxes. So we'll set out our lineup and say, okay, we've got a box here on the third line, or we have a box on our seventh defenseman. What are the names that fit in there? And that's the number one priority. These are a need. Who fits in that box? Who do we like the best? And then you, you, know, you get the names, and then you drill down and start digging in and challenging guys and try to make a list of saying, okay, this guy's the top guy for our box then you don't want to miss everything. So you're still covering, you know, I don't think tomorrow we're trading Johnny Gaudreau, but you're always trying to examine and say, is there a better player out there, you know? We would be remiss, of course, if we didn't mention the David Riddick story, which has become <laughs> a bit of folklore around here in many ways. But we've we've heard so much about it, and uh, having met him, and obviously right. the broken English. But right. I think when you first met him, there was even less English being spoken. So take us through that initial meeting. Yeah, well, obviously we that previous season we'd gone through a lot of goalies. Uh, John Gillies had been hurt, so we really didn't have anybody on our reserve list either yeah. and we'd gone through a lot at both in calgary and in stockton i'm adirondack at the time maybe yeah. um so that was a mandate from tree at the beginning of the year we got to find goalies we got to find them at every level so i it guys have a million stories tommy webster found mark giordano people sometimes things happen i was there to see another player and david had just you know i have things you like so he he showed up and then 
honestly, if we hadn't have had as many goaltenders uh, go through our system and we didn't have, you probably might have just let it go. But uh, we didn't, and I dug in, and we did a lot of video, and we did a lot of homework, and uh, it's worked out. But that, that credit deserved, A, David deserves all of the credit for what's happened in his career. He's been uh, He's been tremendous. I think that's, you know, people ask all the time, but that's the biggest thing you know, I can go back and talk to European free agents now. That's the biggest thing you tell them is that David came in with the best attitude in the world. I remember talking to Ryan Huska in month one, and you get to know the kids, but you don't get to know them any more than you and I know each other. You know, you, you kind of have a feel for them, but you don't know them. And he just said he had a great attitude. He's the hardest working guy we have in practice. He's been excellent with his teammates. So David deserves the credit, you know, for that. It's fascinating because when, when David spoke at his year-end availability with us, he, he mentioned something that hadn't come up previously, which was that when he was a younger guy, he really looked up to Mike Smith Absolutely. and his puck handling. Like, so did that ever come across in any of your conversations with him? Yeah, I mean, the, the part that comes across is he always wanted to get better right. and the competitive side of it. And, and that's initially what made you take notice of him. And then every time there was a hurdle put in front of him, his competitive nature and his desire to get better put him over that hurdle so the puck handling was actually a big surprise because uh, I, I charted in dallas with smitty so i had we in at that time we had a goalie named marty turco who was people forget but he was elite he oh, got yeah. out like a defenseman he was skating he turned his hand over too absolutely right? yeah. like turks was an he's an incredible athlete hit a golf ball 300 yards back like he he's one of those guys he's a freak um and then smitty came in younger and Andy Moog was a goalie coach at the time. It was very important for him. It was, you need to learn. You need to take the weight off the defenseman. The rules had changed, so you couldn't get pinned against the wall. So Mike was a real, as you see, he's a physical specimen. So he didn't have a lot of touch with the puck, but he could put it through the glass. But his game evolved, and I think that was something when David showed up, oh boy, this is what I got to do. This is how I have to be an NHL goalie. And and to his credit, I know that he probably puts a lot of hearts in people's throats sometimes. Uh, <laughs> That's fun, right? <laughs> but it's an element, look, he, it is an element of the game. And if yeah. it can save a hit, if it can save 10 hits, um, it's worth it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, Derek, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time and your insight. This is, uh, I mean, it's great. This is the time of year, I think, where I'll... We're not playing on the ice, but uh, in terms of the off-season events, this is what we get up for. So thanks again for joining us. Sure, no problem, guys. This has been great. Awesome. This has been the Firestarter Podcast brought to you by the Star Calgary. Follow the story all day, every day on thestar.com.